and welcome to the Farmer and Smurfa. I am Tommy Mead from County Mead and it's great to have you with me here on this. Well, it's Lent, I suppose. I hope you are all giving up your... Well, what the hell would you give up, I suppose, in a way? Like, sure, we're after doing 12 months of Lent, in a way, sure, we're, we're giving up social interactions, we're giving up going to the shop. I... You know what? There's the thing you can give up now is going to the pub. Sure, they're going to remain closed for what I can see for quite a while. But they seem to be... So there's one thing you can give up. What I actually started doing, right? Well, you always hear the billionaires going on about, you know, they wake up at 4am and they're straight into work and that's when they start working and they get all their work done. So, like... I decided, sure, I'll start waking up and start working at 6am. So if the alarm's going off at 5.30am, I'm up in the morning, the mother and father going mad because I have about five alarms set, to be honest. And it's actually working out all right. You, you, you get a lot of work done, you're productive. And sure, by the time it's 12 o'clock and we've the dinner, that's, that's the thing now. And there's a lot of Dublin people that don't understand this, especially in my course there in Smurford. Here we have the dinner in the middle of the day. That's an issue now when you're on a group message and you say, uh, sure, we'll meet after dinner and people are thinking 7am or 7pm and I know uh, that's about 2pm. Just get that clarified. Sorry now. We'll get back on track to what we're talking about. And uh, this week we had one person in chatting to us from Unilever, uh, Stephanie, who's working with Ben and Jerry's now and was talking about, you know, your uh, career development and, you know, where you want to go. And it's sort of like... And I suppose this is strategy in one sentence. Here we go. Ready? Listen to this. Strategy in one sentence. Where are you now, okay, is on the bottom left corner of your screen or whatever. And where you want to be is on the top right corner of your screen. Now, you have to figure out how you want to get there. So that it could be a straight line, but... Probably not. And you use your resources, you use your finance, you use your brand, you use who do you know, you use it. You use what you have at your disposal in order to get you to where you want to be. And that is strategy. In a way, that's the concept. That's the whole lot. Anyway, what else were we talking about? We were talking about global versus local. And this is a great thing about even this chat is how that spiralled and I even brought into lecture about money because it was after hearing a few months ago, I think it was a news talk or David McWilliams about the importance money played in terms of making everything global. And then we were also talking, now this this just shows, we were chatting about Kodak, the uh, digital film camera company, right? And then it went on to Fuji and then it went on to tomato paste and then it went on to offices. Here you go. So we, we'll get all that squashed together. And that's what we're talking about. And we're also talking about how to grow a business. So I don't know if we're going to get all that sorted. We, we chat about, I know last week I was chatting about uh, Hatish and why only 2% of apps succeed. And I actually never got onto it because, you know, that's just the way it all works. We keep chatting, we keep going. And why only 2% of apps work? I'll say it now because I didn't say it last week was he said roughly when you download an app first of all people might say they're not going to download it because it takes up too much memory the first trigger you have to get by then on average people only give it about one and a half seconds so what actually comes up on that home screen whether it's welcome whether it's hello whether it's hope you had a good day or whatever 
people criticise from there on. It's similar even when you're in a retailer. People often decide what they want in the shelf within, I think it's like two seconds or so, three seconds. So that shows how quick you have to be. And he was even saying if you come up with an app idea, you need to get about roughly 75% people saying, yeah, that's good. That's, I want to buy that. I want to get in and board on that. Otherwise, if it's less than that, just drop it. It's it's a failure. It's not going to work. Well, the likelihood is. Now, what a time actually to say this after, um, I think, is it the youngest ever self-made billionaire? The founder of Bumble, who went on to the stock exchange there last week. But there you go. So if you get it right, it can work. If you get it wrong, which 98% of apps are, then it's just a waste of time and effort. Unless you can learn from it. And I suppose even that woman that from Bumble, you know, she was involved in Tinder. So there you go. Now, the Farmer and Smurfit podcast is definitely... um. All swings and roundabouts were chatting about everything here. But it just shows she learned from that and brought it into her own concept. You know, she was working with a team there and brought her own thing on board. Anyhow, before we go talking about global versus local and we go talking about how to build your brand or your business, we're going to talk about Kodak. And this this is an interesting video and I'd recommend anyone go look up this one. And it's failure to see unmet needs right and it's a fella called mark uh coppersmith and he's talking in it and he was on about how kodak were the revolutionists they were the people that invented cheap digital photography that you know anyone can go and buy a camera and that's what they really and did all their legal and they patented it and did all that sort of stuff and they decided we'll just keep going and selling this and keep chugging along and we were earning a lot so we just kept doing what we were doing with our head in the sand and that's what they did he was saying they did their head in the sand and they you know they almost thought well no one else will come up with a digital photography business and they ended up being you know competition coming on board and coming again them and you know they weren't quick enough to adapt and they didn't realise what they had. This is, And this is where the whole thing became a disaster for Kodak. Not because it made them any worse, but they could have been an awful lot better. Their film, right, which is in the back of a camera, which I don't really have a clue about, but um, Mark talked about it and I feel like I know what it is now. But the film that works the camera, right, is the same film that's in your iPhone or your smartphone or whatever. That's how the phone works, is because of this film. And Kodak had that film, but they sold it to Fuji. Fuji realised what was there, and they bought it, and they realised the potential of what they had. Well, Kodak had their head in the sand. Sort of like, right? I think it could have been a couple of weeks ago now, when I was chatting about Nestle. And how Nestle always hired from within the company. And they realised this isn't working out because we have our head in the sand. We need to bring in fresh blood and mix it up a bit to bring in something new. And that's even similar to when you think like how much these weeks all sort of link together. That's the idea behind even Cali Cali was that they felt, you know, that's where most food revolutions and ideas come from is California. Because there's so much diversity and so much sparks going on that that's where it all comes from that's the excitement or whatever but anyhow why why were we chatting about that well we moved on to chatting about Muti M-U-T-T-I and which is a tomato company in Italy and they're operating for generations and generations anyhow well back two generations ago there was this man called Hugo 
in the company and he decided well they were making tomato puree and he said you know how can we make that last so we worked with a toothpaste company and put in toothpaste an aluminium type of toothpaste container and that kept oxygen out or whatever stopped it from going off and that's where they ended up revolutionized and became a big player because of their innovation they realized what they had what they had was premium tomatoes but they were willing to see what does the environment what do people want you know i'm sure he had plenty of failures with that and realized no no we need to adapt that change that up and then found that works and drove it on a million miles an hour right what he also seen was in restaurants and this is the same by you go again in restaurants they were buying in tomatoes or whatever and he decided to come up with the whole tin tomato you know so that was the innovation it was the product they already had. Now, they've got, been going steady then for two generations and they've never adapted, never changed from that. But they've developed our brand and it became sort of a brand, branded product because the whole tomato industry became a commodity or whatever and the prices started dropping and they decided, you know, we're going to stay premium. We believe in what we have is good and they started sourcing within, I think, 90% of their tomatoes come within 70 kilometers from their site like. And they started, they even... Um, the fella that's in there at the moment I think Frank Francuela or something like that Francesco Francisco and he decided he was actually working in a beef company and he brought in similar in what what happens with your beef is it goes in and it gets graded well he brought that in just for tomatoes and he started paying premiums for people that brought in the best tomatoes and that sort of stuff and he even took a page out in the newspaper the national newspaper and started putting these are the top three tomato producers epi this month you know so that was the way of how he branded his icon and, and they made it sort of a branded company although they, they sort of stopped innovating and then and that we were posed with the question could that be an exported product and it is right okay so it is like there was one person in that group that knew it was but is it successful not overly as an exported product because we were sort of saying like do I care? I'm an Irish fella, right? I don't know if we have tomato um, paste or puree. I only know tomato ketchup. Anyway, but we were sort of saying, you know, sure, if that's from 70 kilometres from the site, I don't care. You know, that doesn't really matter to me. Now, maybe if there's Italians, if it's a high Italian concentration, whether it's in New York or, um, or wherever, maybe that'll work there. But it's not, it's not going to necessarily work for everyone. And especially if they're charging a premium, right? And then they're going to add their export charges on top of that. We were sort of saying, you know, it doesn't really... But what did sort of draw an eye to us was sort of like that their site... So they work for about two and a half months of the tomato season and they make all their products. They have to predict a year in advance of whether they feel tin tomatoes or the tomato puree is going to sell there you have to try and guess what their numbers are going to be well forecast what their numbers are going to be but we were sort of saying well you have nine and a half months there of a manufacturing plant empty now whether they could go and manufacture for other food companies could sort of devalue what they have but we were sort of wondering how can we optimize that space now obviously they have a serious amount of inventory as well but Another thing we were saying for sort of in terms of global, right, was sure maybe they could diversify into different products. You know, if they were working with whether it's different types of fruit and veg or if it if even if they can add that product to I don't know, like working with a 
company like uh, working with a pizza company or something like that or a um, spaghetti bolognese company or something that sort of fitted with them maybe that was a way of exporting because they're partnering up the product and making it a bit more diverse rather than just one product on its own we sort of felt you know maybe that has a bit more potential anyhow but the whole thing about space so how the hell did this move over to offices well it was actually because I was listening to David McWilliams and he was on about how the future of um, office space you know like you have an office space and people are in it from 8am to about 5, 6pm, right? But there's 18 hours there of empty space, right? So what happens there? And it's in some of the most premium locations. It could be in the middle of Dublin or France or New York or anywhere. And what happens that space? And in New York, I think the mayor has given tax uh, incentives to move, to move the office space into residential use, right? Because in a way... Our homes are like offices at the moment. You know, sure, we're sleeping, we're eating, we're working all in the one location. And now it might be a different room, but it's all the same spot. So that was sort of interesting as well, in a way, and I had a sort of thinking. And then that's the whole thing of this podcast. We stay unedited, unchopped, uncut or whatever, and we just keep chatting and wandering. That's the way we're... And there's people on to me saying, where can they get me? And I tell them they can get me anywhere. Because somehow they figured out they can get me anywhere. There's, I'm in places I never heard tell of. And there's someone in Texas listening to me. I often, you can see where people are listening to you from. And there, the people in Texas, if you can understand me, fair play to you. Um, and the fact that you're listening, that's, that's great. That's a retention there of customers. Because that's even a hard thing, right? I know when I was studying in Purdue University, right? And we'd done a sales course. And we were given a question, right? If you had to go meet a new client, you had to phone a current client, you had to fix the dishwasher for your wife, or you had to read a report, which do you do first? And the first thing you were meant to do was ring your current client because it so, costs so much money to try and make new clients that the cheapest thing to do is retain your current client. And sure, you know, the dishwasher, you can wash the dishes for a few days before we get the dishwasher fixed. So that that's the way it all worked out. But, you know, that was interesting. Which sort of links to that, that buy from Texas. Fair play to you. You keep listening on there. And sure, if you want to tell someone else about it, go ahead. So on about that exporting, right, and global versus local, right? So this was in our policy class and they were sort of talking about, well, first of all, why has everything become so global? And people were talking about um, transportation and refrigeration and all that sort of stuff. And I was there thinking, money, money, it's money. And I remember, and he actually never had it on his slides about the money, which was funny in a way because I was thinking that's the answer when actually it was the answer. But even... Some people didn't know it was the answer until I explained it. Because, and I was listening to the chat and they were on about how paper money revolutionised trade. Because you could send over a lorry load of cows or meat or veg or whatever, or even down the country. And in return, what would you get? Well, you'd have to barter with something. It'd either have to be steel or it'd have to be something of value, whether it's a horse or a donkey or something like that. But now you could send over a lorry load of something. And come, what comes back is, let it be a checkbook. Or what comes back is a bit of paper money. 
or, or even now, right now, it's online banking. So you can send something over and nothing has to come back because someone just taps it on their phone. Now, what was interesting then, I even said, because sort of looking long term as well, sure, what is Bitcoin going to do in a few years? But in terms of global versus local, in particular, and we were doing a supply chain course last year and it was all about agile versus lean. Like that's the whole crux of it. You know, like during COVID-19 and Brexit and that, if a company that's important wasn't hurt in some way, let it be late deliveries or stock maybe not getting in or if it's fresh produce, maybe it won't be fresh. If you weren't hit, then you were lucky, as our lecturer said. You know, because... And, and it's funny, we actually done a course, and it goes back now. Look, I'm going back now to iPhones. But we actually had this sort of simulator, and we did it every week or whatever, and we had to price whether it's worth, you know, putting... What we were doing was making phones, right? And we could add features, let it be making a better design or making it flashy, or you could add memory and that sort of stuff. And you see what your standard deviation was or you know whether you're going to sell a lot or a high number and then you decided where you're going to manufacture and you could manufacture locally or you could manufacture overseas and you were trying to balance that you know because if you manufacture locally you can slow down ramp up production a lot quicker you're a lot more flexible but if you manufacture overseas you know you could end up actually taking in a lot of stock right perhaps overstock but you could still end up making money in a way. Now, but it was trying to try and find that balance. You might have to sell that off real cheap. And it was a great simulator, you know, when you worked on it every week and you were trying to find that balance. And that's similar to the whole global versus local debate. Now, we're not on about, you know, what's good for the economy or anything like that. I'm just sort of saying it in general. This sort of stuff that gets you thinking like. And the other thing is, if you're local, you can change features. You can alter things you have a better communication system and even if you place an order so i could order something for in a couple of weeks time while if i want the thing coming in from china it's going to be months in advance so we were placing orders without really knowing what sort of sales we're going to have what sort of demand we're going to have so that's where the whole agile versus lean and you know companies start getting over years start getting leaner and leaner and you know that's the way it sort of moved you know companies wanted to be as low cost as possible and the whole COVID thing and Brexit thing has sort of put that up in the air because now people want to be in with Irish suppliers because you can guarantee well you hopefully can guarantee that you have a better relationship and therefore they may go out that extra mile and get you the stock so therefore you're trying to find that balance now to finish up the last thing I was going to say was how to grow your business or your brand. And this links to what we were talking about over, I don't know if I talked about it last week because we had a lot of people in and we're, I think we're going to have a lot of people in next week. So, and I enjoy that. I enjoy that so much because I think you get so much more from listening to people in the field than you do from just reading books. But this is about our current product that we're meant to be making the whole business concept and trying to sell. Well, not try and sell but you have to come up with a business idea and I chatted about it last week or whatever or the weeks before and now we're at the stage we have our product we have who we think are you know going to be the early adopters who we think because that's the whole thing you need to get them early adopters on board and then it'll sort of 
manufacture it. You know, that's where you build measure learn because they'll be willing to say, um, and by early adopters, for people that don't understand, you know, it's the people that go and they'll offer to do something straight up. So if a new phone comes out, are you going to go buy it? Well, I know myself, I'm, I'm probably a bit slower in terms of buying a new phone because high expense or something like that. But if it was a football or something like that, I might go out and buy that quicker. So I might be an early adopter for a sports company. So, you know, there's going to be air, different early adopters. For our product, we have, you know, sussed out who our, who our early adopters are. We've had a few Zoom calls. Uh, we've had focus groups as well through Zoom, which is great. We're using the breakout rooms and all that sort of stuff. I feel like I'm an IT whiz. But where we are now is trying to see how we get into our environment. Where we are now is where do we attack from first. So, like... Imagine this, right? You have a grid in front of you. You have existing products up the top and beside it you have a new product. Then down the side you have new markets and you have existing markets. So if it's a completely new idea, right? So it's going to be a new product. Therefore, it's probably going to be a new market altogether. So it's complete, like that's high expense. That's a lot of build, measure, learn and you want to know your quick early adopters to a T because that's going to be high expense, right? Then you have, but if we, if we go contrary to that, right? You could have an old product, so the same product and the same market. So it's, you're, you're not changing it in there, but you just want to ram, it, it's let it be advertising. You want to ram that, you want to focus the company in terms of we want to get our existing customers to buy more. But, so whether that's offering uh, discount offers, advertising. And you see, that's where, you know, are you actually, are people willing to come and buy more of your product or is it because you're advertising? So therefore, you if you spend a million in terms of marketing and maybe you gain 1.1 million, you know, and then if you stop marketing, your sales drop to nothing again. Well, then it's it's not really that your product is retaining customers. It's that you're marketing the hell out of it and you're selling marketing. And I suppose a bit of it for us, right? Okay, so yeah, there's a level of diversification. We're a new product, we're a new market. But we, we also, for this project, we have to act like, okay, so we succeed with the first person. So where are we going to grow from there, right? And it's, you know, it's the same product. We might have to adapt. We might have to change a few things around, right? Okay, but we'll say it's largely the same product. And now we're going to look in for new markets, new areas, new locations, or whether that's new people. You know, you could say, right, let it be perfume. It could be the same perfume or something, but you're going instead of for females, you're going for males now. So that's going to be a new market, your new demographic or whatever. And, and therefore, you already have an idea of the product. You already know this works at a certain level. And it's how do you alter that? How do you brand it towards your different, let it be a location or how do you... So it could be jerseys. A mead jersey will sell in mead. How do you make the same jersey selling cork? Well, you don't make the same jersey. You make a cork jersey. And therefore it'll work down there. But you know the jerseys in general work. But you just need to figure out how do you reach them extra people. So that's your new market development. And it's interesting when you look at your apps or anything like that and they always keep updating. So that's where you have, you know, you have the same customers, but it's a new product. 
because you know you need to keep developing in order to keep retention of customers you know keep their uh, knowledge engaged keep them engaged and and you're capitalizing on your existing distribution right so if you already have these customers what more can you sell them how can you gain capture more value from them because as i was saying earlier the hardest thing is to get new customers it that's very expensive that's very time consuming but maybe you can add more value whether it's you know bringing out a new range of products whether it's teaming up with someone else you know that is a great way of you know just keep developing your product and therefore you already have that market channel you already have that distribution channel but how can you capitalize on it even more so that's that's the four links right so you had you have your existing product and an existing market that's your market penetration that's where you're marketing that's where you're driving trying to get more sales trying to keep them so whether that's i heard the story before where it was uh i think it was toyota corolla and they said like they didn't really make money because they built them so well that people weren't coming back looking for parts and that sort of stuff but how can you increase your sales on something and you know that's why an awful lot of food companies even use you know best before dates like what the hell is a best before date you know obviously you can put best before the very first day it's sold because sure it's obviously going to be nicer the first day it's the fresher but like you know there's where you're going to cause your a lot of food waste as well linking back to last week but it's also a way of if you're the business how do you get your consumer to buy more well they see the best before date and they go actually maybe i'll get a new one you know then you had your new product and uh, new markets that's your product development you know how can you how can you gain more value from your existing customers and keep driving on the, your existing because that's the most expensive thing is actually getting new customers and you have your new markets with your existing product so it's how do you diversify into a new category a new range of people a new diversity and then you have the holy grail of toughness that's a new product new market that's diversification that's you have very little knowledge you need to try and find who's going to be your early adopters get in with them learn build measure learn linking it back to um the lean startup but that's you know that's the way it is so in a way what we're doing here right now by me tommy me chatting to you is market diversification because i'm a new product and you're a new market so therefore it's a new product new market market diversification what i do see though is that there's people listening to me again and again because they must well the most like what they're listening to or maybe they have too much free time or whatever it is or maybe they just leave me on with the cows or the sheep or the dogs or the pets or whatever but that is market retention that's customer retention that's the important thing that's the money saver but i'm not marketing it so i know how you're reaching it. but if you are reaching it and you share it to someone else what you have done is something amazing for me, in a way, because you're doing the hard work, in a way. So go out, share it, share me, share the Farm and Smurfit podcast. I'm Tommy Mead from County Mead. <laughs>